Would you please turn with me um, to the book of uh, Nehemiah and uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. I just want to take a few um, moments this morning. I've come aside, obviously I've been away now for for a few weeks, so I just wanted to come back to a theme um, uh, on momentum for us as, as a church together and uh, my, my title this morning is Forward in Faith Together. I've come aside from a series I've been looking at in um, 1 Corinthians on charismata and character. And uh, I've done that on purpose for a little while. And, and I've been away for a few weeks after recovering from operation, obviously. But uh, So I want to just come back to the theme of moving together as a church and moving together in faith. So Forward in Faith um, Together is, is my title. And uh, so if you're visiting us this morning, well, God bless you, it's really great to have you with us and uh, you, you'll be dipping into something. But if you're a regular member and attender in the life of our church, I'm just coming back to some things that I've been sharing uh, about moving forward as a church and moving forward together. So I just want to just come back and, and catch the momentum of that and again and, and just take that a step, step forward again and uh, just remind myself, remind ourselves of a few things. Because I just don't take it for granted that we, we catch everything that we share together. Uh, you know, each one of us catches things at a different, different way and a different level and a different pace. And um, just as there are different runners and, and you, you watch a group of runners, you know, round about this time of the year. Um, I don't know about you, but it, it, is it just me? But I, I observe um, the running clubs that are out and about in Long Eaton. And you'll see the different runners, and some a bit at the very front running and, and, and stepping ahead, and others a bit at the middle in a great big pack. And there'll be a few um, going along, and then there'll be some right at the very back, maybe even walking along type of thing almost. So we carry vision and we, we catch ideas in, in different ways. And um, that's not lost on me. So I'm. Forgive me if you feel that um, what I'm going to say again, I think, oh, I've heard this before. But um, I just want to just lay hold of something again and run with it again just for this morning as it pertains to us uh, as a life, as a church. So uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17. I'm going to pick up a few, a few verses and come at this together. Forward in faith together. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. When Sanballat uh, uh, and the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official And Geshem the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We as servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. There are three things that I just want to just look at this morning, and not going to be too lengthy actually, but there are three things together. First of all, there was a problem, and Nehemiah um, defined or shared the problem that there was before the people of that day. He then secondly offered a solution, the solution to the problem, and that's what we're going to look at. The second thing is the solution, so the problem, the solution, and thirdly and finally, um, he presented the reason, he gave him a reason of why they should do it. 
the solution that he gave them, he said, this is why we should do this now. So he gave them reason. So three things, problem, solution, and reason. And that's where I want to go in the next few moments this morning. Looking at a problem, bringing what I feel could be a solution, and then giving a reason why do it now. Simple as that, ABC, as quick as that. And that's what we're going to look at. And uh, it's nothing new. It's as uh, ancient as time, and Nehemiah was faced with something. We find the man called Nehemiah. Um, if we have a bit of context to uh, the uh, background to this passage, but the, the Israelite people under um, the leadership of someone called Ezra had come back from captivity um, and uh, back into the land, and they restored temple worship. They rebuilt the temple. If you read the book of Ezra, there's Ezra and Nehemiah. You read the book of Ezra, under the leadership of a person called Ezra, the people restored worship, and they came back and began to restore um, living in the Jerusalem area, and they rebuilt the temple. It was an amazing revival of God's people being restored from captivity after being taken into Babylonian captivity sort of the area of the the, the Medes and the Persians, the Iraq, Iran part of the world is where the Israelite nation were taken and then they were released back. And so in Ezra's day, temple worship was restored. Um, But that's as far as they got in their revival, a great work, a renewed work, and there was renewed vision and off they went. And you read the book of Ezra, it's exciting. Great things, new things, revival, restoration, church building, going for God, people moving together. But as with life and as with many things that can come our way, um, life can knock us. We can get bumped by the things that can sometimes come your way and my way. And uh, what had happened was the um, difficulties had come the people's way. And so they only got so far and um, they got as far as doing the temple. But um, the walls of Jerusalem were left in ruins and the city of Jerusalem was looking in a sad state. Great as the work had become, and, and uh, it, they'd lost their way a little. And so by now, by the time of Nehemiah, we're looking at something like over 70 years, something like that, something that, you know, a lengthy time had passed. And, uh, and so the, the walls had been in quite a state, uh, uh, broken down. And so this is the background. And so Nehemiah, another man, come, comes in with vision and begins to survey the land, and God puts a vision on his heart to rebuild the walls and to go and do something fresh, a restoration, uh, a renewal had come. But this had been going on for a long time. You know how they say sometimes the rot can set in. We can become settled and used to certain things. I tell you, I've to, I might have told you this story, but I remember some years ago, not in this area, so it's not a church nearby, so you, but this is in the northeast of England. I went to speak at another church. I won't say which denomination. It wasn't an Elam church, but I won't even say the denomination so, you, so nobody could say you're trying to knock another group of Christians. But I went to speak at another church and uh, got shown into, it was, it was a, a renewal type meeting and this church was looking to move in, in, into a renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so for some reason they invited myself and, and, and a team to come across and, and share, share some things and, and pray and, and see how it went. Anyway, so we turned up at the, this church There's a reason for this story. Just bear with me. Bear with just for one moment or two. So we turned up at this place and um, went to a room to pray, etc., etc. And then I said, oh, excuse me, but you know, you get a bit embarrassed. I I need, uh, can I, uh, need the loo. Anybody need the loo? And so so anyway, so off I go and I came out of this room and the people were coming out of this room. And um, 
couldn't find where the loo was. And uh, this person said, oh, it's the door on the right. Just go out and do on the right. Well, I looked at the door on the right, and it had telephone written on it. Right? So I thought, well, I won't go in there. And so this guy comes. He said, well, I told you it's the door on the right. It's that one there. I said, well, it's got telephone written on it. He said, oh, no, we've not used it as an area for the telephone for years. It's um, for ages, months or something. Not years, months, he said. And he said, that's where the loo is. Well, why didn't someone just take the sign off and put toilet on there or something? <laughs> uh, now, we laugh and I laugh, but we get used to things, don't you? I get used to things in my house. You might come and think, well, why has he got that there? Why doesn't he move it? Well, the rock can set in. And this is exactly what... Now, now, listen to this. This is what Nehemiah had come into when he surveyed the Jerusalem walls. Big deal. Everyone else had settled for something because they'd seen it like that. And there's nothing wrong in that, necessarily, because we just get used to things. But this is exactly what Nehemiah had discovered when he looked at the walls they had a problem. The walls had come tumbling down and Jerusalem looked a bit of a meta state. And yet people didn't see that anymore because you get used to it. And so, so Nehemiah said to them, the problem, there is a problem, he said to them. He said, look, the walls of Jerusalem are um, tumbled down. You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. There was a problem. It's in ruins. The gates are burned with fire. It was looking to rubble everywhere. The temple was great. They were restoring. They were worshipping. Good things were happening. It wasn't all doom and gloom and bad, but there was more to be done. And it took someone like Nehemiah to say, wow, come on, this, this needs to be done. It took someone like me to say, well, I'm not going in there. There's a, and so they did. They t- the guy took the sign off there and then. It was one of those sticky type signs that you can sort of peel back. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? And there was, sure enough, it was where the loo was. And, um, you know, it takes someone to, uh, and it takes a group of people to wake up and say, absolutely right, actually, yeah. It's, have, you, have you met people? And for, for year after year after year, as a Christian, they've been going nowhere and complaining about how bad life is and how bad church is and, and life's no good. And then one day, a friend says to them, you know, you really need to get a grip of life. If you carry on like this, you'll never go anywhere. And, Doing, they wake up as if it were from a sleeping beauty, having a deep sleep or something, and then they start to do something with their life, which sometimes is a wake-up call, isn't there? There's wake-up calls in life that come, and this is exactly what Nehemiah um, shared with the people. He didn't get at the people. He said, let, let, can we not see? Look at this. There's something to be done here. He wasn't attacking the people. He wasn't even putting the people down. He was just saying there's something to be done. Let's awaken. Let's awaken something fresh in our hearts and in our lives. He said, the walls are in uh, ruin. There's something to be done. And, you know, and as a church, we have, you could say, a problem. It's a good problem to have. As a church, Oasis Christian Centre, and we've been sharing this as a church, you know, we're meeting here at the school, and the reason why we meet here at the school is because the, the building that we have on Derby Road is, is a, a grade two listed building that is in, now in need of major, major work on it. I, I'm, I'm going to speak about it and try and speak about it in the most positive way I can, okay? But it's in need of major work. Lots of work, grade two listed building, and the outbuildings are now beyond a sense of repair to be used substantially for children and youth and meeting halls and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I've talked about this. And so we have a problem, just as in the day of Nehemiah. There's nothing new under the sun. And every Christian organization, an group and church, an individual will face, and you perhaps will face, we'll face 
key moments in our lives where God gives us a problem, but I believe it's an opportunity to do something fresh in him. I, I have a, tending, a tendency to make myself look at the issues and, and difficulties and moments and perhaps problems in life to say, well, what can I do now, Lord? Is this an opportunity for you to move freshly in my life? And I tend to now begin to look at it. It took me a long time to get to the place to look at my problems of opportunities for God. They're opportunities for God. And we now have an opportunity for God to work afresh in our lives. And so, you know, we have a situation um, uh, ourselves for an opportunity for God. Just as Nehemiah addressed the people, he said, look at the walls. Let's do something about it. And we say, now look at our church and our building. Let's do something about it. And um, you might say, well, what will happen if we don't address it? What will happen if we don't address it? You could, because people could say, well, it's an economic climate. It's very difficult. It's a credit crunch. Could be a double dip. <laughs> what they call a double dip. Uh, um, get, get going into possible, uh, you know, um, another, you know, another credit crisis, as it were. There's possibilities, you know, you know, don't do it now. But when is the right time? Have you ever thought in your own life sometimes there's never the right time to make certain key decisions in your life? And you can put off and you can put off and you can put off. I could say this, if we put off doing something uh, as a church, as in Nehemiah's day, they did something. If we were to put off doing something, the building that we have on Derby Road continues to deteriorate with its age. Uh, uh, after 17 years of the church, prior to myself even, of the church looking, looking for premises, renting, and a cycle of looking, renting, going back to the building, looking, coming back to renting. After 17 years of that cycle, the, the building, the facilities on Derby Road are over 110, 120 years old anyway, but they've also had another 17 years of, of degrading. As you, you think of your own home, if you don't paint it every now and again, I don't enjoy painting. One of the things I'm not the best person in the world, if I don't paint my house every now and again, if I don't get outside and attend to the gutters and you leave it one year, the next year the water gets in and you think, well, that's got a bit more damage. And so, you know, if you leave, it can't be done. That's just looking at the building. But also looking at ourselves as a church. You know, we can't function successfully and grow. We can't function successfully and grow without the facilities to do so. Hence, we rent them. But we're renting and we're paying for a building and a building that's degrading. And so we're looking to do something whereby we can function and grow as a church. And so doing nothing is just not an option. Doing nothing, wait and see. Wait and see, you'll have degradation and also constriction and constraints on our church. And we can't not wait and see. Something has to be done. And so there was a problem. Well, there's a solution. Second thing then. Let's move on. Nehemiah presented a solution. He said to the people, um, he, he came and said, look, look, at, look, at the, look at the issues that we face. And so there was a solution. He said to them, come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. If there's a problem, there's also a solution. There's always a solution. There's always a way around something. There's always a way. You know, we, we as Christians sing that God will make a way. There's always a way. You know, in life, there's always a way, a possibility to every problem. There's always a solution. And it's with Nehemiah, it was he said to the people, come, let us build, let us rebuild the walls. 
it was, and so the guy at this church I went to visit said, oh, I'll just take that sign off. <laughs> because I went to go in there and I didn't. He thought, oh, I better do something about it. There's always a solution to do something about it. And we as a church are looking at a number of things. And we've had, uh, you know, I don't take it for granted that everyone is aware, but we, we have made it quite aware by having vision meetings and sharing and speaking. But I'm going to say it again today. And having a, 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 a vision members and gathering together and looking at plans and, and questions and answers and casting the vision. of, but, and, and in that, we've shared our, our solution. We believe, we believe that God is opening um, a, a way for us. And uh, so we've, we've put down some plans and we've been looking at the possibilities of a new church on a new site in Long Eaton. And we've been showing the plans for a number of months now. A new church on a new site and the Fields Farm area of Long Eaton, and the plans have, been, have gone up, and we, we've talked about that, and the costs of that, and sharing about that, a new facility that will allow us to grow, and our church to, to, to move, and something that will be called a home for the, today and the future for Oasis Christian Centre. Um, but we've also looked at the existing site, and so you noticed if we've, we've been casting vision, we've put out plans for the actual building on Derby Road as well, and looked at costing that, and we've shared that as well. <coughs> And so there's two, those two things that we've put out there and God is opening up a way um, for us as a church to respond and build. And I hear you say, well, that's easy, easier said than done. So how are we going to do that? You know, arise and build. There's the solution. I share the solution. But how? How's that going to happen? You say. And um, it's going to happen with us standing and rising together. Forward in faith together. It's going to happen as we stand together. And uh, I just want to show you something. There's something that we're going to show you. A little, uh, have a look at this. It's going to come up on the screen. It was a an advert for the uh, Union Unison, and it was some years ago. And uh, we're going to have a look at this, and it'll come up on screen in a minute. Keepers, from librarians to meals on wheels. If you want to be heard, speak in unison. <laughs> Get out of the way! <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting. It, you know, it's a it's a classic example of being standing together. You feel like a little ant. What can little old me do? I haven't got any money. When you talk of two million pounds to do this, or a, a, go to a new site to build a new church, grand ideas, lovely plans or one and a half million pounds to do something on the site at Derby Road. Grand ideas, great plans. What can little old you and me do with the little bit that I have? I don't have much in my pocket, but, you know, you know it's the little ant on his own. But as they all stood together, it was get out the way. But isn't, it, didn't, um, isn't there something in the Bible about moving mountains with mustard seed faith? <laughs> That's the difference, isn't it? That is the difference as Christians, isn't it, for us? It's not just... Manpower, little old you and me, but it's also God-enhanced, enabled manpower, isn't it? And that's the key difference for us, and that's what we've got to lay hold of. 
as a church. I think we've got to lay hold of that as a church. And, um, you know, the, the, the song that we sing uh, together as a church, bit of an anthem, really, lay hold of that. Our God is able. You know, when I sing that, I think I'm hanging on to this, Lord, because I need you now. We need you as a church. You know, God is able with us. But it's about standing together. You know, but it, isn't it interesting? The power of one. One has to stand up first. You see the little ant in that, in that, that uh, advert that said, excuse me, excuse me, on its own, and then went back and got another. But someone has to stand. You know, you and I have to, as an individual, it's you stand, not look at someone else, not think that I can't do it. If you make your stand, you, 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 I can't tell you what to do, and I can't look out for you, and you can't tell me what to do and look out for me, but you can look out for yourself. You know, you, you, be you and God, between you and God. If you make your stand between you and God, the, but then if we are all doing that together, it'll be a case of get out of the way. It will. It really is quite amazing. Let me read you something from the message. I love this translation at times. And it's the response of the people. It says, the people said they will arise and build in the NIV. This is what it says in the message. I, I love this. I talk about getting involved and standing together. Look at this. Uh, this is what it says. It says, Nehemiah says, Then I gave them my report. Face it. It's, the message is really straight down the line. Listen to this. Face it. We're in a bad way here. Jerusalem is a wreck. Its gates are burned up. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem and not live with this disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me and how the king was backing me up. And they said, we're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves, ready for the good work. It's a great translation. Yeah. We're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves. In other words, they meant business. They got involved. They participated. And it's each individual, it's each one of us, if we play the part that you can play. And don't worry what you can't do. Don't think about what you can't do and what you don't have. What can you do and what do you have? And give that to God. And he'll multiply the rest. We shouldn't worry about what we can't do and what you don't have. Don't go on a guilt trip. I can't give this or I can't do that. Don't even entertain that. Entertain what you can do and what you could do. What you could give. That's what we have to entertain. Give that to God and he will multiply that in the most incredible and amazing way. The danger is I think, oh, I can't do that. I haven't got this. I can't say that. Or I can't give this. And then we end up being paralyzed and we then stand back and almost do nothing. Not because we don't want to do anything, but we just think, well, what good does it make? But it's pretty incredible when I stand with what I can do and what I could give and I just say, this is it, Lord. Well, if we all took that view and stood naturally, we'd naturally stand together. We wouldn't have to be rallied and told to stand together. And when we all naturally stood together, mountains appear to move and God seems to move his incredible hand. And this is exactly what happened in the days of Nehemiah. There's nothing new under the sun. It's exactly what we will face and are facing ourselves as a church right now and right today. You know, you and I are called. We can, we can, what can you do with your time and your talents and your treasure? Only you know, I don't know, and it's between you and God. But I bring my time, my talents and my treasure. Remember what I said? Don't look at what you haven't got talents. So I don't have time and I don't have treasure. Don't look at what you haven't got. Look at what you do have. And with that, no matter how little or how much, whatever it is, my time, my talents, 
my treasure. What I can, I give to you, God. I give to you. It's as simple as that. You know, one of the things that, that uh, we did release recently, and uh, I haven't commented on it, and this will be the, probably the, uh, the one time that I'll comment on it, is this. We released a little booklet. It's called Your Generous Giving is Making a Difference. This would probably be one of the main times that I'll comment, so I'm going to use the opportunity right now. I won't bang on and bang on about it all the time. But I would say this. If you haven't received a copy of this, then I really encourage you to take a copy. They're at the side. They're on the, uh, uh, one of the, the, the table at the side there. And basically, it talks about systematic, generous giving. Giving of our times, our talents, and our treasure, and giving of our finances. And it really talks about how to give on a general level, on a systematic level, our best for God. And it also talks about giving our tithe, 10%. The giving of our tithe is a tenth. And the principles behind it and what we can do with that. It also talks about gift aiding. If you're a taxpayer, then anything that you give on a regular basis, if you pay tax, then the charity, any charity benefits from this, not just churches, but if you pay tax and you give uh, to, to your, your designated charity and you're a taxpayer, then that charity can have the tax that you pay on your donations and it comes back to the charity by like over, over 20%, something like 25%, something like that, in the region of that. But So it's quite amazing. All the literature is there and I would just encourage you, if you've read this, do something about it. That's as strong as I'll get. Do something about it. If you've read this, if you haven't read this, then have a read. That's all I'd say to you. Have a read. And there's plenty of them at the site there. You know, we are blessed as a church. There is generosity. I want to say thank you. Because in our church, we have people that are giving their time, they're giving their talents, and are giving their treasure. That's a fact. You only have to see the exodus of volunteers and workers in children and in youth and car park and on coffee. And you name it, across the board. And worship team and setting up. And, and it goes on. The list goes on. Sounds and everything. There, we have a, a myriad. We have countless. We have a, a large group of people volunteering their time. And we are thankful volunteering your time, talents and treasure. We are thankful for the people that do give generously financially. You know, as a church, we are not supported centrally from our denomination. Our finances, what comes in on the day, that's what supports the ministry of our church and everything. You know, and as a church, we sort of just about breaking even. So as a church, if we're going to move in buildings and things, we need to do more than just break even. We need to go into surplus. We need to go into a sense of surplus if we're going to do those things together. But I'm a firm believer. If I do what I can do, God will do what you can't do. It's not a little ditty soundbite. I honestly believe. But I believe the Bible teaches that. That's faith. Faith that moves mountains. If you and I do what we can do, I honestly believe that God does what we can't do. He does the things that I could never do. He's a miracle-working God. Now... You know, you and I, the solution, we are the solution. You are the solution. You and I are the solution, in other words. You know, Warren Wearsby, pastor and teacher, says this. It takes both the hands of leadership and the hands of partnership to accomplish the work of the Lord. Warren Wearsby, great pastor and teacher. This is what he said. I'll say it again. Listen to this. To accomplish something for God. Any work of God. He said it takes the hands of leadership and the hands of partnership to accomplish the work 
of the Lord. In other words, working together, like we've just seen in the advert, the unison advert, standing together. You know, in Leviticus uh, chapter 26, let me read you something. You don't have to turn to it. You can if you want to. But this is the power of God working in the lives of people. And uh, I'll comment on it a second. Leviticus 26, verse 8, reads like this. It says, five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, it says there, um, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. I've commented on this in the past. That does not make military sense. It doesn't make military sense. The, the, the military statistics don't seem to stack up. It doesn't make military sense. But it's, it's not just sense. This is God. And so what, this is God empowerment. And so the thing is this. You know, people will say to me, you can't do it. You're not going to raise two million pounds. You're never going to do it. The church can't do it. And I have to say to them, well, probably can't on our own. <laughs> and I've actually said to people, well, I can't do it. We're going to do it together. But, pardon me, am I silly or am I basic, but we're in the God business. Now, I, I, you know, we, we're not going to do anything silly, so don't, don't panic, church. We're not going to be signing up. We won't be allowed to sign on the dotted line for anything that doesn't stack up financially. That's part of our denomination. So you can rest assured that we're not going to put ourselves in. A, but I want to say this. What I read in Leviticus is God's sense, not good sense. And it's not a soundbite, it's a fact, it's God's sense, it's God empowerment. You know, one person with God is a majority. I'm speaking, on, I'm going to be speaking sorely tonight, and on tonight I'm speaking of the power of one. And this is interesting, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to talk, I'm going to go down that line now, but one with God is a majority. So if you stand up, you're standing up not on your own, but if you're standing in God, standing up with you and God, you do what you can do, then God does what you can't. He seems to move his hand and do everything. It's as if everything gets handed to you on the plate, but it's not been handed to you on the plate because, because you've moved and he answers our faith. God is amazing. So I would say to this, be encouraged. Let's try and do something. Let's just step up and do something and see what God does. It's a great journey. It keeps me awake at night at times. But I tell you what, let's do something. Let's stand up and see what God does. And if you and God are a majority, if all of us stood up like that, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Something's going to happen. Something amazing is going to happen if we stand together. You and God are a majority. Final thing, he presented a reason. So he gave them a problem, gave them a solution. We are the solution. Reason. Why now? The walls have been broken for 70 years, something like 70 years. They were saying to Nehemiah, why do it now? You know, it, it's, it's time. It's time to do something. You know, Nehemiah's reason was we won't be in disgrace and God won't be dishonored. That's what Nehemiah's reason. Honor God. God is a great God. You know, reflecting the goodness of God. He said that the state of the, the, the walls, it, it, it comes back on God. It comes back on the people. If this is the amazing God, well, why are the walls in such a state? If this is an amazing God, we can't. Do you know what? can't let the church in Derby Road fall apart. In actual fact, charity law says you can't do it anyway because the local authority could come to us even if we didn't have the money at all and say this needs fixing, that needs fixing. It's a grade two listed building. And uh, it doesn't look good on the kingdom of God, does it? It doesn't look good on God. 
doesn't look good on us, but it doesn't look good on God. You don't want something that's... Nor am I in the vision of building great, grandiose projects to, to um, make ourselves look good. Not at all. But this was Nehemiah's principle. And this, this is a similar principle today. There's something similar in the heart of God today. And this is why the church of God needs to wake up in our nation. You know, the state of the church at times. And this is why people look at God and look at the church and say, well, if that's God, if that's churches and that's God, it's not for me. But if we show a living God, a practical God, an alive God, a God who's real and alive in our lives, then people say, well, I'm interested in this God. And it reflects in who we are as individuals and, 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 and how we are in our surroundings as well. It reflects on him. And this is what um, Nehemiah said. You know, William Wilberforce, one man with God is a majority. He's the man who was behind the abolishing of slavery in our nation. William Wilberforce. It was, he dedicated his life to the abolition of slavery. And people said to him, you can't do it. How can you overturn? Um, it take an act of parliament to do that. So he said, that's what we'll do. So he became a politician. He was a rich man and, and became a Christian. And because of becoming a Christian, um, evangelical faith, he began to do social projects. But he, he, he looked at slavery and thought, this is, this is an abomination. It's going to take an act of parliament while I become a politician. And that's exactly what he did. And he dedicated over 20 years of his life, probably more, when they actually passed the act. It took from the passing of the act to the, act, the fulfillment, the grand fulfillment of people actually being totally released from slavery, something like over 20 odd years. He dedicated over 20 years of his life. He died not long after the actual sense of there was complete freedom for slaves in this nation. One man with God is a majority. He dedicated his life. It needs people to stand, you and I. Now you'll say, with hindsight, we could say, well, there's William Wilberforce. He had God on his side. Well, we've got all these hundreds of years of hindsight. But at the time, he was against the tide of opinion in the nation. The whole British empire, a powerful empire, was built on slavery. The empire of our country was built generally on slavery, slave labor. So there was a lot of vested interest and this man stood against the tide. It's something, one with God is a majority. And so you and I, if we stand, you do what you can do in God. And we all stand together as a church. Amazing things can happen. Amazing things can happen in your family. Amazing things can happen at your place of work. Amazing things can happen in your street. Amazing things can happen in our, our town. Amazing things can happen in our city. Incredible things can happen in our nation. You know, the church, they say, is a sleeping giant. More people attend church than watch a Premier League football. Premier League stadiums filled to 50,000, 60,000 capacity, some of them. More people attend church than would watch Premier League football. The church is a sleeping giant. If we, if we were to stand in God as individuals, one man and woman with God is a majority. It's quite incredible. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. There's the reason uh, today. You know, our church has had a history of... Uh, looking for a, be- a, a bigger building uh, to grow into, to search for it, to move to renting, to go back to the original building on Derby Road. Uh, and there's been a 17-year cycle of that. Let's break the cycle today. Let's, why not? Why can't we? 
I, I venture to ask the question, I could be shot down in flames. You know, just by putting out plans, people could say, yeah, that's not going to come to anything. But I don't, I'm not content. Let's not be content. And uh, let's stand together. I tell you, if we stand together, why not? Let's do it. Let's break the cycle today. You know, it's time to break the cycle and go on and move together. Do you know what? If we can move forward in faith together, it's amazing. And don't look at what we can't do. We're not going to do irrational things, stupid things, but we're going to stand and do something. And I tell you what, if I stand and say, God, I'm going to do something, then God does everything. He does the everything. I can't be everything, but he can. So let's stand and do something. You do what you can do, and God will do what I and you cannot do. There's a problem. We are the solution. And there's our reason. Let's do it now. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you are indeed an amazing God. We face uh, a challenge as a church, and yet uh, it's not our own challenge, it's yours. Because we are your church, we're the bride of Christ, you care and love your bride very, very much. And so we bring our lives before you, and as we've shared this morning, uh, feel that we are part of the solution. As individuals, I come before you, not in any sense of condemnation, not in any heavy burden, but as a privilege of just being a son or daughter of, of you, Father God. And uh, I open up my heart and life to you. And I don't look at what I can't do. I just say, this is what I can. I search my heart and I search my life and I search my time. I search my talents and I search my treasure. And I say, this is what I can. That's simple as that, Lord. And I'm going to present what I can to you. And Lord, we as a church will present collectively, as we do that as individuals, we bring that collectively and present our lives to you. That you would take us forward in faith together. We'll do what we can do and you will do what we can't do. And Lord, to that, we're just looking forward to being amazed. I'm looking forward to being amazed. Come and amaze us, God. Come and amaze me, Father. Come and amaze us, Lord, because we sing that you are an amazing God. So now we're giving you the opportunity, Lord God, by reasons of our heart, mind and actions, for you to come and amaze us, Lord, in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.